0: The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sell Better Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we are here to talk about the cold calling framework that converts in 2023. Now, you want to have wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Excuse me. I felt like I needed to sneeze. <laughs> So you're going to be sure that you want to have a good framework so that way you can tackle your cold calls effectively. Well, we're going to get into that and so much more. And of course, we'd love to know where are you guys tuning in from? Throw it in the chat for me. I love to see these. We're usually worldwide. So really great to see. I'm already seeing Tracy here from Canada. Welcome, Tracy. We got Artie from Chicago. Welcome, Artie. And Andrew from Minneapolis, thank you so much for tuning in. i love to see this. Now, everyone, be sure to set your chat to everyone. So click that blue button for me and switch it over to everyone. That way we can all see what you post in there. So today I have a very special guest. We have Avi Mesh. He's an enterprise account executive over at Orem. Now, Avi, what would you say is one of the best ways reps can help build their competence for cold calling? It's a great question. It's an important
1: one. Um, I would say, and I preach it all the time: practice, practice, practice. Ninety percent of the situations we come across in sales, in general, especially over the phones, they're repeatable ones. So practice how you want to handle objections. Practice how you want to handle, you know, brush offs. There's, there's, all kinds of work that can be done before the call.
0: Um, or you do before the call, the more confident you'll feel. All right, perfect. Well, we're going to get into that and a lot more very shortly. Now, before we begin, we always love to know. Um, I want to just drop this really early so that way we can just know very quickly who is in the room. Do we have SDRs? Do we have AEs? Do we have frontline managers? Maybe some senior leadership? This helps us tailor the conversation. If I see SDRs, I'm asking SDR questions. I say AEs, I'm going to be asking AE questions. And of course, if you're looking to level up in 2023, well, we are here to help you. The sell better daily sales show our membership with instant access and training and our resources with corporate sales training for you and your team be sure to check it out go ahead and scan this or just visit us at sellbetter.xyz so what are we going to be covering today we're going to be showing you all how the top reps confidently go over their calls and do it with high volume Also giving you guys a framework that actually converts. You want something so you can tackle these calls correctly. And lastly, those follow-ups. We're going to make sure you're prepared for them and how to do them effectively. Now, Avi, I'm already seeing that there is a lot of SDRs in the room. Does this surprise you at all? It doesn't. They're the ones making the most of the cold calls, so... It's Very true. So shout out to all the SDRs and AEs looks like we have about 59% SDRs and about 25% AEs in the room. I'd love to see it. Welcome everyone. It's great to have you here. So let's just get right into it. So we want to be able to generate calls and we want to do it very effectively. But one of the most powerful things you can do here is time block. Why is this important Navi? And can you tell me more details about how to do it correctly?
1: Yeah, so time blocking is huge, especially as an AE. You know, there's so many different things that we're responsible for on a day to day basis: um, working active cycles, closing business, but certainly finding new business as well. Um, and so, with all those different things that you're balancing, it's so so important that you're dedicating time each week, ideally each day, towards finding new business and prospecting. So we need to be intentional about you
0: know allocating times towards towards prospecting. Okay. Now, how can you? allocate that correctly, um, is it the way that you can segment it or how can you go about it?
1: Um, I think it ebbs and it flows and it depends on the amount of pipeline that you have, right? So the more pipeline you have, the more deals you're actively working, the less time you're going to have to 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 find prospecting. I like to do it in the morning um, and I like to batch my, uh, my, my routine, right? So I'm spending time, you know, researching accounts, uh, doing that in a block and then
0: calling and prospecting into those accounts after the fact. Okay. Now, when you're making these calls, you want to be able to segment this, and you're cranking out—you're cranking them out, right? What have you seen has been the average number of actual connect rates and the conversions?
1: Yeah, so connect rate is gonna vary pretty significantly based on the industry that you're calling into. Um, I'm finding that if you're calling into many technical personas, you're probably not going to get as many answers as if you're calling into marketing or sales. Mm. Uh, Generally speaking, we're finding anywhere from 2 to 10% of the time you should be connecting. Anything less than 2% is more often
0: than not a data quality issue. I see. Now, how many calls do you think peep rep should be making per day? Is there really a sweet spot number?
1: Um, there isn't a sweet spot number. I think it's the most important thing really is, is not burning out, right? So, you want to be able to do something that is sustainable. Uh, so, if you're, you know, ripping through 100 calls a day and then you burn out after three weeks, it's much better to be calling 25, 50 people if you're going to be able to do that for a consistent amount of time. I think it also depends a lot on the segment that you're in. So if you're calling into the SMB space, you've got a very large full addressable market. You could really be calling through people and and maybe not doing as much research. Um, If you're calling into the enterprise space though, you've got maybe less accounts, a smaller patch, you need to be much more diligent about not
0: burning through it and doing a lot of research before you're reaching out. Okay. Now I want to hear from our audience. Do you guys make tons of calls per day or are you making just a few? Is it looking like 10, 25, 50? Be sure to answer this for us because I would love to see it. I remember in my first sales job, I was making 125 calls per day and really just cranking through it. It was a numbers game. Not a lot of research though. Avi, why is research so important before you call? Um, Well, if you're not researching, then you're just spamming your accounts, right? That is facts, yep.
1: You know, I think that a lot of sellers, especially cold callers, have a bad rap because our prospects have been called by people that have no idea why you're reaching out to them. There's no reason for us to be reaching out to them. Um, We're trying to be more consultative. We're trying to provide value to our, our
0: prospects. I see. So how can you balance... The research portion, and then the actual calling portion, because I feel like people can get lost in research and then not making enough calls. So, where is the delicate balance in this? I
1: think you know, it's funny you say you asked. I think that a lot of the time, the folks that are doing all that research, it's really just call reluctance that's disc- the, like disguised as research. <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm doing probably five to ten re- minutes of research on the account. So trying to figure out an account level, what is it maybe a compelling event that I could be talking about? Mm. And then each prospect, I'm doing maybe two to three minutes of research, looking through their LinkedIn, trying to see maybe any blog posts or articles or whatever they've been doing online um, to further hone in my pitch. But after that, I'm taking my notes, I'm putting them at CRM and I'm basically setting it and forgetting it right? So a lot of reps, they struggle because they're doing their research and they're calling and they go back and they do their research again and they call again. And when you have a low connect rate, you find yourself, you're very inefficient when you do that. So I think my best practice that I recommend to all of these folks out here is do your research,
0: put it where you can find it again, and then forget about it until they answer the phone. All right. And do you have a framework for this research? Like, are you looking for just a couple key pieces of information. I'm seeing actually here in the chat, some meat is asking the same thing. He's asked like, what can we actually do for account research so we can be effective?
1: So it really depends on the industry that you're in, right? So there's going to be certain triggers and, and, and indicators that that will tell you that this person is an ideal customer for you. And I can speak for Orem specifically, right? So we're a, a live conversation platform that's trying to help SDRs and AEs get into more conversations with their target market. And so for me... Really good indicators are looking at, you know, uh, if they're hiring or not, um, if they have job postings where people are, are making cold calls. So my 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 guidance would be to reach out to your leadership team, find out what types of triggers likely indicate that the prospect has a high propensity to buy. Uh, also looking at closed one deals and seeing if there's any kind of commonalities that you could find, um, certain industries, certain types of personas, uh, certain situations that counts that have lended
0: themselves well to buying your business all right now i'm seeing here that our audience usually makes around 10 to 25 calls per day with 50 plus coming in very closely at 27 percent with only five percent doing a hundred plus calls which is a lot of calls now you mentioned this balance when it comes to these like 25 50 range do you find that the quality of research ends up dropping off or is there a way that you can actually still have high quality research and still high quality volume calls? I think you definitely have high volume and high quality research. I think it it's really, really
1: important, again, to do that batching strategy that I'm talking about. Mm. If you're doing five minutes of research and then calling somebody just to hit their voicemail, it makes sense that you would only have time feasibly in a day to make 20, 25 calls right? But when you start doing your research, retaining that information and then waiting until they answer and then using it and trusting your training, basically, you'll find that you can really get
0: a lot more volume out and the quality of the conversation really doesn't suffer. All right. Now, what would you say to those reps who have a quota for calls? I know some companies, they can get pretty outlandish with some of them. They'd be like, you have to make 100 calls a day. What is a way a rep can actually show the value in doing research with just a fewer bit of calls? You know, how is this a conversation that can happen with senior leadership?
1: So it, that's that's a tough question. It's a hard hitting question because it it's 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 dependent on the leadership, right? So I have been fortunate in that my career, a lot of my leadership hasn't been super numbers oriented when it comes to the volume. It's it's all results oriented. So you know, if I've got a KPI of $50 a day and I'm making 25, but I'm booking all the meetings I need to book and I'm exceeding the quota um, and the metrics that that matter to me, my feeling is that leadership should be okay with that. Mm. Uh, the problem I find a lot of times with that just metric-based eval is calling becomes just a box to check. So it's like, I just have to hit my 50 calls. Mm. There is a no strategy that's involved there. So if there's any leaders that are out there, I would strongly encourage you to move away from maybe just that draconian, you got to hit your 50, you got to hit your $100 a day to focusing on what really matters, which is conversations
0: and, and booked meetings for SDRs. All right. Now, when it comes to making more dials, I know a lot of people favor a power dialer. Power dialer is a good move. You can make a lot of calls very quickly. But what about for those folks who do not have a power dialer? How can they crank out tons of calls at once? Um, first of all, look at a power dialer. There's a lot out there. (laughs) Um,
1: I think really it's about removing distractions and being intentional with the, the time you're spending when you're calling. Cause I know there's a lot of folks that work from home, a lot of distractions when you're working from home, certainly. Right. Um, whether it's your phone or your dog or your significant other, and then certainly at the office too, with coworkers easily, you're easily distracted. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, when you combine The batching strategy that i'm talking about where you know i'm doing my research and then i've got a dedicated block whether it's an hour or 15 minutes or 30 minutes whatever it is right i'm only calling during that block uh turn off notifications on your phone go into a a room by yourself if you're in the office right just be focused only on that and you know you'll you'll find you can do a lot more value especially if you're not breaking up your call sessions doing a bunch
0: of research okay now when it comes to actually making connecting with people, right? So once you actually get them on the phone, it's very important that you actually have a framework to utilize. Now, I know you have one here for us and I would love to break it down, but before we do, I wanna actually let everyone know that we have an amazing drop of the day for you that I wanted to bring up earlier, but now would be a good time because we're gonna get right into this framework. And it's an overview scorecard for your own cold calls. I'm gonna go ahead and drop the link in the chat. Check it out. Super important because you connect with someone You'll have it, and then you listen back to it, and you're like, ah, oh, this did not go as expected. So we'll go ahead and download this scorecard. It'll help you out and break it down for you. Abi, speaking of which, have you ever listened to your own calls? Has that helped you? Oh, yeah. All right.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I love listening to my own calls. I like listening to other people's calls too, right? It's it's. I think it's essential if you want to grow as a
0: seller to listen mm-hmm. to your own you know, body of work. All right. All right. So let's break down this structure that you have for us, this framework that I think actually is super impactful when it comes to people actually answering the phone. Can you tell me a little bit more about it?
1: Yeah. So it all starts with the opener. Um, The opener is obviously you introducing yourself and it's, you know, for me, it's asking for permission to borrow a moment of their time. You talk to a lot of different people. They're going to tell you a lot of different things about what you should say, if you should ask for permission or you shouldn't. I think all that really matters is your comfort level and your tone. You can say pretty much whatever you want as long as you have a confident tone when you're going into the call.
0: Okay. So when you say confident tone, does this mean you have to like drop your voice and come in really hot? What does that kind of look like? Because I feel like people think about confident. It's like, well, what does that sound like? (laughs) I think it's less about pitch and more about speed. Hmm.
1: And what I mean by that is If you're introducing yourself in your company and you're finding that the majority of people ask you to repeat yourself, wait, who is this? You're probably talking too fast. Mm -hmm. That's one of those practice things too, right? 90% of the stuff we encounter is repeatable in sales, especially your opener. I would say 100% of the time you should be opening in some way. Uh, So just practice it. Come up with one that you like listen to the top performers on your team, duplicate
0: what they're doing, make it your own. Okay. Now, I see Kevin here is asking, what is your favorite opener? What do you like to use as your go-to? I keep it super
1: simple. I just wish them a good morning or a good afternoon. I say, hi, this is Avi with Orem. Give it a little pause so they can retain that. And then I say, good morning or good afternoon. And and, and everybody, talk to 10 different people, you get 10 different openers. That's just mine. I find <laughs> that it works because... It's tough for somebody to cuss you out or hang up on you when you just said good morning to them. There's not mm.
0: very low barrier to get it. right. So let's talk about past the opener, right? The person didn't curse you out. You were able to get on the phone. They're connecting with you. They're willing to speak. What do you say next?
1: You know, you're wanting to explain to them why you're reaching out to them specifically. It goes back to that element that I was talking about before, where we're not spamming people. So. You want to offer the reason why you were reaching out. The first thing I like to typically talk about is the research that I've done mm. that led me to think that calling them would be a good idea um, and confirming, of course, that they're the right person to speak with. So an example for me could be, you know, hey, I saw you're leading a team of SDRs. It looks like you guys are, are hiring SDRs responsible for cold calling, which makes me think that pipe jet is on the menu.
0: Then I misread that. I like that. I like that. It's almost like you're introducing a, hypo- a hypothesis. Correct. I see. Now, do you find that they're usually? What if they just cut you off very quickly? Like, no. <laughs> what do you do next? Well, so so then you're confirming. Um, you're so you're not you're not an SDR
1: manager at this company. You're not. You know what are they saying no to, right? Um, and then it's you know going into if they're the wrong person, trying to find out you know, who is doing your detective work and figuring out, you know, where you missed them mark. Maybe it's a
0: different business unit that you need to be reaching out to. Okay. Now I want to hear from our audience, what is your favorite opener? Go ahead and write it in the chat. We could break some of these down. As Avi said, you get a lot of them. You ask 10 different people, you're going to get 10 different answers. So I love to hear some of these because some people like to lead with humor. Others like to be direct. And I like how you're transitioning from there into a hypothesis. So it shows that you've actually done your research a bit into the the company themselves. Now, is this where you're kind of introducing the research in a way in the reason for reaching out, showing that you kind of know what what they might be going through?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm I'm confirming that I'm talking to the right person, right? Cause sometimes you get the wrong number; or they're not at that company anymore, what have it, what have you. Um, and then I try to open up with a problem that we're seeing in their space. So talking about you know if they're the right person and they're leading SDRs. You know, a lot of the folks we talk to, they just have difficulty getting in touch with people over the phone. Is that something
0: you're experiencing? Okay. Now, you have this portion here about a value prop. Can you break yeah. that down for me more? That's where we talk about ourselves, right? So, it's you
1: know, introducing yourself, it's confirming that they're the right person, you're introducing a problem that you're expecting that they might have, and then offering up a potential solution about how your, how your offering
0: could potentially solve the problem they've just said that they're having. Okay, so once you have that, how do you know you feel ready to ask for the meeting? Is it right away? You just ask for time because I feel like you got to be strategic about this. So when can you fully introduce it in the correct manner?
1: Once I am, once I've hit the value prop, I ask them if they'd be opposed to meeting to talk about it further. Mm. because that's you want to get to a point where either they're saying no, I'm not opposed, let's do a meeting, or you're getting that first objection, right? It's a race to get that first objection and to understand it and try to move through it. So, if they're using a competitor or if the timing is off or you know whatever the objection is, a lot of them, they're not the decision maker. You, know, you want to understand that and then going back to that practice, hit them with that objection handle, right? To
0: overcome that and try to then push for the meeting. All right. Now, do you find that asking for the meeting on a cold call usually works out or are you usually using more like an interest? Like, are you interested in this and then leading it to a meeting? Do you kind of just go for, for either or?
1: So I think it, it really depends on the situation and, and, you know, who I'm talking to at that moment, um, you know, and, and their level of receptivity and the, the the type of problem they're having. If they're not really experiencing the problem that I'm illuminating or, or, or bringing up, then it doesn't make a ton of sense to ask for the meeting. But if they Say yeah, we've been having trouble getting people on the phones. You know, I then go into more of a, a social proof. I'll try to say, you know, hey, we're helping XYZ company achieve this metric, and then straight into the close. Would you be opposed to taking a look at it
0: at a time that suits you? Okay, I really like that. It really sums it up all well. So everyone, really jot this down for you. you Got to do the opener. Make sure I already see some amazing ones here in the chat. Actually, Rolando says, "Hello, prospects, name your name." I know I probably caught you in the middle of something, but I'm calling for a good reason. Do you mind if I tell you why I'm calling? Then you can let me know if you want to keep chatting. How do you feel about that opener, Avi?
1: If it works for you, it works for me. Um, <laughs> my thing is I like to keep it as short and sweet as possible. Mm. The opener, I'm just gaining access. I'm trying to get a commitment that they've got 10, 15 seconds for me to explain why I'm calling. Um, but I would never tell somebody if they're having success with an opener to use something else.
0: Okay. So be sure to jot it down, the opener, the reason for reaching out, the value prop, and then you go for the meeting. Now, Aaron here in the chat asks a very interesting question. He says, value prop versus pitching. Can you share an example of what the difference is? Um,
1: I feel like they're in the same space, but a value prop is more so, it, it, it's once a conversation is being had, right? Like if you find that they're having a problem, then you go into your value proposition that can solve the problem they're having. Whereas pitching is you're skipping over the reason for reaching out and you're just saying, hey, I can help you do this. I can help you do this. Right? You're just slapping them with a pitch versus doing a small amount of discovery, understanding that there's a, a problem that you can solve. And then
0: your pitch or your elevator pitch, that becomes a value prop in that case. All right. So let's say that you don't have the right person on the phone. You find that out, It's probably going to happen within the first one minute of the call what do you do how do you navigate that situation now so it depends if they're not the decision maker mm-hmm. or
1: if they're just the wrong person right if they're the wrong person then i think it was josh Braun's line i like to make it a little bit light i say you know i know it's not your job to help lost salespeople, but any recommendation on who i want to reach out to right anything you can do to help me. And then if they know who it is, great. Do you mind if I use your name when I reach out, right? Now, if they're not a decision maker, that's slightly different, right? Because the reality is if they're maybe lower to the front lines, maybe a frontline manager, they're not the final decision maker, this product could still be beneficial to them, right? It's like, the reason why I was reaching out to you was to get your opinion because it's going to be your reps that are using this. It'd be really valuable to get your take, even though you're not you're the decision maker, would you be opposed to just taking a quick look at it and let me know if it's something that the true decision maker might like?
0: That is very powerful. How you mentioned this is going to affect you if it were if it gets implemented. Would you mind telling me your thoughts on it? Now, I also like this because it makes the person, even though they aren't, they are below the power line. They know they're below the power line. It also makes them feel important you want their input into it do you find that when you do this they're more likely to allow you to use them as a referral totally well i think and you want to you want to give them a,
1: a personal win and this is assuming you get them on a call right if you can get them on a call and you find that there's actual value you can deliver there are some there are some career implications if they can bring something to a, the company that saves them a bunch of money or makes them a bunch of money or reduces a bunch of risk so if you can When you're talking to somebody that you know isn't your true champion, that you know is a coach or an influencer in the decision, but isn't making it, you have to frame your discovery in a way that makes them feel
0: comfortable that introducing you to their boss is a good decision. Mm, I like it. I like it. So you're showing them what's in it for them if they allow the referral to even happen in the first place, really painting the picture in their mind about the future. I love that because then it's almost like you got the whole team selling for you as well.
1: (laughs) In this day and age, right, with these macro, the macro situation we're in, we need to have consensus. We need to have coaches, champions throughout the organization to be multi-threaded.
0: So why not start on call number one? Okay. Now, Frank here is asking, can you talk about the reply? That's actually why I called. When do you use that and why do you see success with it? So it is,
1: it's a pattern interrupt. Um, That's it's one of those things again going back to practice where there's a lot of different pattern interrupts that you can be using to you know a lot of people when they say i'm not a decision maker that's just their defaults they're just saying that right right And, and so what you're trying to do is is disrupt that thought process and then kind of weave in why you're reaching out so that's actually why i called is you know it works with most objections. There's some like, you know, <laughs> that it doesn't really work for, you know, saying I don't take cold calls. Well, that's actually why I called. That doesn't really make much sense, right? But there are many that it works for. And so the idea with that one would just be, you know, that's why I was reaching out to you. That's why I called you. There's a few people I'm assuming that would be involved in the conversation. Um, you know, was curious if this outcome would be positively impactful for you. And if so, would you be opposed to taking a look at it?
0: Mm, very powerful. Everyone, put this in your tool belt so you can whip out when it's necessary, especially for objections, it's great. It's the, that's why I call technique. So be sure to use it. It works really well for just introducing your solution to their objection. Kind of create a very smooth transition there that can be useful when you're on the call and you're thinking quick on your feet. Now, I want to hear from our audience. When do you guys usually lose a prospect? It happens, especially in a cold call. Is it right after the opener, maybe when you're introducing yourself or when you're pitching your service, maybe it's somewhere else that I'm not, not even noticing. Go ahead and throw it in the chat for me. I would love to see some of these so we can break it down. Now, if we're going to go forward, you know that you want to follow up correctly. You're making the cold call happen. You asked for the meeting and it actually worked. The person's like, you know what? Yes, I will take a meeting with you, which is a big, heck yeah, let's do it but that's not where the game ends. You got to keep it going. You got to have good follow-up. How do you do this correctly, Abby? You got to, they have to show up, right?
1: It doesn't matter if they don't <laughs> show up, right? So the first thing I would advise reps to do is to find the closest opening on your calendar or your AE's calendar and ask for that time. So if I'm calling in the morning, I'm looking for a block of white space in my afternoon and asking if they're free then. Because the odds, if for them to no-show me in four hours are a lot lower than in four days. The benefit of doing that uh, is, is really that if they if that time doesn't work for them, what they're doing is they're looking for the next block of availability. So now they're not looking for that afternoon, they're looking for the next day or maybe the next day after that. So the, the first thing I would really recommend reps to do is to push that urgency and try to book that
0: meeting as soon or as close to that call as possible. I see. Now... Do you usually have your calendar up on the screen when you're on the phone call? When you're on the phone with your prospect, is it like, hey, I have this time available. Do you have this time available? How do you get the calendar the right time to send the invite across? So I have a bunch of different tabs open on my screen.
1: I'm focused on you know, uh, the the prospect's information during the beginning and the middle phases of the call. As I see it trending towards the end where it feels like, all right, they're going to probably book a meeting with me. i am pop it over my calendar. And I'm looking at, their, at my own availability while I'm going through the motions with them. It's easy to multitask in that regard. And then I'm just asking, how's three o'clock?
0: Are you mm-hmm. free at three? Now, why do you like to do the, are you free at three? Because sometimes it can get awkward. People are going to be like, no. Okay. Are you free at five? No. Do you just kind of wait for the rebuttal and then get things moving from there?
1: So yeah, I mean, I'll ask what time uh, you know is this three work for you? I'm available at four o'clock. What's better? Um, if neither of those times work, it's well what what works for you. All right. And the good news is they're looking at their calendar for that day, and so their ne- their eyes are going to go to the next day or the day after that. And you're not going to have a situation where you're booking a co- uh, a meeting out three weeks later. So it's going
0: to be very low. That's just just going to ask when it comes to the three weeks later, because sometimes it happens. These execs have a very busy schedule, but you want to be able to book it right away. How can you navigate that conversation with an executive um, who is really pushing for a meeting that far out? So great
1: question. I think, first of all, I'm sending out the invite while I'm on the call with them. I'm sending out just a, a boilerplate invitation while it's there so they can accept it and then i'm sending the a, after that i'm sending a you know an agenda i'm updating the calendar invite with a firm agenda of exactly what i want to discuss on that conversation on that call because this, the the more senior you go the less likely it is they're just going to blindly accept invites that have no agenda on them especially if it's 3 weeks from now because i probably won't even remember what we talked about let alone them right so i've tried to make sure i'm also including an agenda not on that full call because there isn't enough time to type it up but after the fact so that when they do get that notification when we should be setting notifications also in advance of the meeting especially if they haven't accepted yet when they get that notification they also see what the agenda is about they get that reminder and they're more likely to attend
0: now how do you type out your agendas is it just like a quick one two three this is what we're covering you like to make them in bullet points I think people can get a little bit confused with this and maybe send across a paragraph. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) short and sweet, right? So it's the high level business outcomes that you're hoping to discuss, right? So it's understanding how you guys are currently handling this problem. It's sharing some information about other companies that we've helped in this regard, and then determining if it makes sense to continue conversation. Generally speaking, is going to be my agenda for an introductory discovery call. I'll also include a short line. If there's anything else specifically that you'd like
0: to discuss during this call, please let me know and I'll be sure to add it to the agenda. All right. I like that a lot. Now for our audience out there, we will be going into Q&A very shortly. So be sure to throw your questions in the q and I saw Arch actually had a really good question here. Throw that one in the Q&A for me and I would love to answer it at the end of the show. So if you guys have anything, throw it in there. We will get to it. Now, I'm seeing here that a lot of our audience is actually losing their prospects when they pitch their services. About 57% are losing their prospect when they pitch. Do you have any advice for that 57% out there so that they can be more effective in keeping their prospects' attention?
1: I think it would be, I would ask that 57%, are you illuminating a problem before you're pitching your services or are you simply pitching your services? Mm. are Are you sharing an insight at the beginning of the conversation or in the middle of the conversation to determine if you are genuinely a good fit for their business. I see. If you are and you're finding that people are rejecting you at that point and you don't have a way to overcome that, role play, objection handling. You probably are getting a lot of the same objections. Your coworkers are probably getting a lot of the same objections. Work through it, script it out figure out how you would respond in an ideal situation. You could choose exactly what words you'd say, what would you say, and then practice it. And then when you get those objections, say what you practiced.
0: Now, I like how you say alluding to your solution. Now, how do you think people allude to their solution? Because you would think it would be straightforward, like, this is what we do. But a lot of reps don't actually do that. Uh, Where do you think they go wrong?
1: So I think it's not about what your product does. It's what your product can help your prospect do, Mm. if that makes sense. So it's not about the features that you offer. It's
0: about the business outcome that those features can provide. Okay. So showing them how it fixes their problem is where you should be pitching your solution. Or in that, that, that's how you should be framing it, not really feature dumping is what I'm hearing.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. So I'm seeing Alexander here is asking, how would you go about pitching a very broad, very technical solution that a prospect could have one problem out of the hundreds we solve? It's a very good question, Alexander.
1: So yeah, I appreciate the ask, Alexander. I would I would recommend so there's a couple different ways that you can illuminate a problem, right? You can make a hypothesis about a problem that you're assuming they're having. Probably best if you're selling like a point solution in one product, one one offering. If you're selling more of a platform with a lot of different offerings, what you should ideally be doing is looking at case studies, recent wins, um, doing your research to figure out what that persona is likely uh, focused on, and then give them an either or. So a lot of engineers that we're talking to are dealing with problem number one or problem number two, which one is a bigger problem for you right now, or which one is your focus? The good news there is, if they have one of those problems, they'll tell you. If they don't have one of those problems, they'll probably tell you what the real focus is that they're having, the problem that they're having that they're focusing on. Which point you can then tailor your
0: value prop to the problem they've just shared that they're ha- having. Wow, everyone, be sure to rewatch this portion of the show. I like that you're basically giving them two choices here. You know, you got the red pill, the blue pill. <laughs> Like, which one are you going to take? And if they don't take either or, they're going to tell you why and just give you more information with it. And that is more valuable at the end of the day, more information about where your prospect's going through and how you can solve it. So let's say you get them to actually book the meeting, everything's all said and done, and then they no-show. What do you like to do? Um.
1: So as the appointment is approaching, I'm sending out there's automated invitation or automated emails that go out, right? Letting them know, hey, this is coming up. Uh, When I'm on the call, if they don't, if they're not on the call within the first minute, I'm sending them an email saying, you know, hey, Adrian, I'm on the Zoom. See you in a minute. It's very assumptive. I'm not asking is now still a good time. I'm saying I'll see you in a minute. If they're not on in the next minute or two, that's when I start calling. Leave them a voicemail. You know, hey, I'm on the Zoom. See you in a minute. And if they don't show after, call it seven to 10 minutes, I'm sending a follow-up email basically just saying, hey, Adrian, I'm bummed about the no-show because uh, you're calling it what it is, right? It's in a no-show. Bummed by the no-show. I try to put my best foot forward, do my research and provide like a really valuable conversation. Um, that said, I understand that we're not a fit for everybody. So if that's the case, please let me know. I don't want to chase you. if There isn't a way for us to help. All
0: right. Now, the I'm trying to put my best foot forward. Um, I feel like this is a very good way of getting an emotional response out of your prospect because you just put in all this effort and they did not reply. And it's really hitting a point. It's like, man, you, you kind of let me down here. Do you find that that's usually the response when they, when they get back to you? So I think it depends.
1: Uh, it depends on the amount of research and the amount of intentionality that you actually have. right? And and what you're trying to do by saying that is you're trying to differentiate from all the, the other salespeople that they've likely talked to in the past that don't come to a call with a plan. So we have a bad rep as sellers that we are not customizing our discovery calls and our pitches to the prospects that we're selling to. Instead, that we're just spreading a brand and hoping that something lands, something sticks. And so, if you are genuinely doing your research and you are genuinely coming to them with a value prop and you tell them that you're bummed and you try to come, you know, come to the table with something valuable for them, a lot of times people respond, Hey, I'm really sorry. Something crazy came up. Let's reschedule. Other folks, they don't respond. Other folks tell me that it's, you know, just not a fit for them. I think the key is to not become emotionally attached to this outcome and to accept the fact that we might lose. They may not show. And that's
0: that's okay. okay. All right. I love that, just gotta be outcome independent. That's what sales is all about. If you become too emotional, it'll get to you, it'll build, just be outcome independent. Relax, they will come, the opportunities will come. Now, let's get right into the q and I'm seeing some great questions here. Um, others, if you guys have a moment, throw your questions in the q and I see a lot of great ones in the chat. Go ahead and throw it in the Q&A, so that way I can break them down more easily. So I'm seeing Arche actually ask here, Adding this from the chat since you said so. I feel like I lose a lot of people because my name is not native to my market, and people get distracted by it. Any thoughts on how to fix this issue? It's a very personal one, but what do you think you should do? Ah, uh, wow,
1: it's a tough question. I'm, I'm, my name's Avi. I'm not. That's not a very common name either. So I definitely encounter that sometimes too. You know, if if they're getting hung up on that, that's that's a shame. I think I would probably try to push right past it. So. You know, I'll just say, this is Avi with Orem. And if they say, what's your name? I'll be Avi ABI. This is why I was reaching out, right? And Just move right past it and get right into the pitch. Cause ultimately that doesn't really, shouldn't really matter, right? What your
0: name is. If you can solve a problem, they're having. Okay. So try to use that, that approach and let us know how it goes, Archer. So I'm seeing Aaron asks, well, actually we already answered this one. So Corey asks, is it imperative to try and schedule a meeting if they have no interest in what you are pitching? Definitely not. I
1: would. <laughs> we, don't want to, we don't want to chase foul balls, right? We don't want to chase opportunities that aren't real because time is the one thing that we just can't get back. So I try to emphasize if somebody tells me, and again, I'm using it because that's what I can draw on, that they're not making any calls. They don't make any calls at all. They don't need to. They're crushing their goals without the funds. Cool. You're probably not a fit. I appreciate your time. You know, there's, there's two winners in every deal and it's the one that wins obviously. And it's the one that gets
0: out first. So the faster you can get out of a bad deal, the better you are. All right. Now, for those who do end up going into a meeting and they're just not the right fit, sometimes it's okay to take the meeting if you're using it for practice. You're going to actually use this to get better at your next upcoming cold calls or demos, whatever it may be, but just go into it with the expectation that there is no expectation. (laughs) You know, you got to let it be. It's all right. So I see Archie ask here one more time. He's saying, well, how do I get a prospect to, well, just pick up? So how does he improve his connection rates?
1: So there's a couple of different factors when it comes to connect rate. Um, probably three. There's the, the data quality, right? So if you're calling HQ numbers or you're primarily hitting gatekeepers, right? Maybe think about investing in something like a Zoom Info or the IQ that will give you more direct dial or mobile numbers that you can call. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly the time of day that you call is impactful as well. So it will depend on the seniority of the prospect that you're calling. There are studies that show that senior leadership answer more often in the early part of the day and in the later part of the evening. find that a lot of SDRs and AEs, they schedule their call blitzes for 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 p.m., right in the middle of people's day when they're in the middle of it. So I would urge people to consider maybe trying to mix it up. Call at 8 a.m., Call at 530, right? When things maybe haven't ramped up or are slowing down. And the final piece is the caller ID number that you're using. So being flagged as spam is a problem. Uh, A lot of people are using local presence. So they're matching the first six digits of their prospect's number. That used to work really, really well. We're finding that it's not working as well these days because all the robocallers and spam callers are doing the same exact thing. Uh, So when I get a call from the... First six digits to my number and I don't know it, I'm assuming it's a robocaller every time. And so those are the three things I would recommend. So investing in direct dials,
0: calling at different times throughout the day, and considering your caller ID strategy. Okay. That was really well broken down. Thank you for that, Avi. Now, we have a time here for about one or two more questions. I'm seeing Levi here ask, what is a strategy for getting into the problem searching stage? How do you get into that conversation without scaring them away?
1: I think you've had it's it's confidence and practice, right? If you make it feel like it's a big deal that you're asking this question, your prospect's going to feel like it's a big deal. Uh, if you're using social proof as well and saying, "Hey, a lot of the whatever the persona is that we're talking to, they're struggling with such, such and such a problem," that kind of lowers that their guard a little bit because you're talking about their you know, same people in their cohort, right? Uh, versus just asking them, hey, what's keeping you up at night? You know, what's your number one thing, problem that you're having, right? If you're referencing others and using that to tie into an ask, people may be more likely to to give you that insight, uh, especially if you're asking it slowly, confidently, with the right tone. Okay.
0: I like that. Using the research to your favor there, show them that you know a lot about their industry, so that way they actually get a little bit more open to, to speaking with you. That is a great way to put it well i'm seeing here avi actually might be a little bit froze up so (laughs) i want to let you guys know that we do have um more shows in the pipeline so be sure to tune in and of course if you want to learn more about what we have to offer be sure to check out sellbetter.xyz and of course you can find us on linkedin at sellbetter.xyz now if you guys need to take anything away from this be sure to be confident in your calls Use the framework that we have, and also keep the conversation flowing. You want to be curious, be curious, and keep it going. Hey, Avi, you're back. Good to see you. All, right. <laughs> All right. good. Now, hey, before we hop off, I want to know where can the people find you? Find me on LinkedIn, Avi Mesh. I'm over here at Orem. Um,
1: hit me up there. I'm happy to help. When it comes to cold calling, uh,
0: I'm uh, it's my passion, and I, I love helping people out with it. So I'm here to help. Love it. If you had to break down just very quickly, just three takeaways people can take from this, what would you say they are? Practice, time block. Be okay with getting rejected. Okay. And no expectations, guys. You will yeah. go into cold calling and you will close deals. If it's not the one, it's not the one. Keep it moving. Love to hear it. Well, thank you so much, Avi. This has been a fantastic conversation. And thank you so much to our audience. You guys have been asking fantastic questions and very active in the chat. i love to see it. And of course, we will see you all on the next one. Peace out.